Hello everybody, my name is Ian from 616 Entertainment and I like creating scripted retrospective content for YouTube. Do you like to sit around for a while? Found yourself a little pet crocodile. Do you like to just live in the moment? Do you like the stars and moon in the comments? What do you like, do you like? 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 Welcome to What Do You Like, the podcast where we get to know a person through their passions and hobbies. I am your host, Jeremy Zaha, and we are back from brief hiatus. Um, we'll go into more detail in a later episode of, about that hiatus, but today I'm excited to bring us back with something, with a, with a conversation that I'm really interested in because it, it revolves around content creation, and that's the business I'm in, I'm in with this podcast. Um, we're talking to the creator of 616 Entertainment. If you haven't found that on YouTube, definitely go check it out. They have a very interesting series on the Mortal Kombat series, including reading a Mortal Kombat novel. So definitely check that out. Um, he's also a personal friend of uh, friends of mine um, in Marvelous Matt Nix and Chris Castro. So you know he's a decent human being. Without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Ian Shearer. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty damn good. I, for the first time in years, was able to walk into a store and buy merchandise from the band Him, which has not been available for a long time. So it, I feel very good today. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we were able to capture this moment on a recorded medium for forever. Um, we caught you on the day that you bought this this shirt. <laughs> yeah. Let's just jump right into what we're talking about today because I'm really excited to have this conversation. Sure. We're talking about YouTube content creation, um, which for my life, I remember when YouTube was first created in like 2005. I used to, I remember in high school, I took the greatest class uh, uh, anyone could take in high school. It was just like media creation or something like that. And basically the class was watch YouTube all day and then occasionally make videos yourself. Um, so either we watched YouTube or we just walked around the school and said we were making videos and just filmed and it was like an unlimited hall pass. Um, but YouTube has become a huge part of our culture and our generation specifically. Um, so I just want to, to start the conversation with where did this uh, passion for YouTube or how did you first get involved in YouTube? What was the, the driving factor there? For me, it wasn't even so much as like I discovered YouTube and was like, oh, I want to I want to do YouTube. I want to make videos for YouTube. When I was a kid, like early on before YouTube existed, my buddies and I were all like big fans of the Halloween movies. And we were like obsessed with Michael Myers. My buddy Bobby Morrissey had a one of those big honking VHS cameras that it was belonged to his parents. And one day we were like, let's make our own Halloween movie. And my buddy Tim had the mask and the jumpsuit and the knife. And we just made this terrible, like three minute Halloween movie that sucked. And that for me, looking back, was like the first thing that I ever made and was like, oh, this is what I want to do. This is this is fucking awesome. They all grew up and grew out of it. But throughout the years, I was like, I just want to keep doing this. So YouTube coming along later just gave me a place to make stuff and put it 
<laughs> like it didn't happen with YouTube. Oh, now here we go. It was just it, YouTube was just an outlet to put all the shit up that I had. <laughs> that is so funny because I I'd say growing up I had a similar experience. Not so much with the Halloween movies, but me and my friends did create video content. We were actually I was just uh uh out to eat with a few friends and we talked about how at one point we recorded something on a big VHS camera and one of our friends the he's a great friend to us now, but his first uh time meeting us was at a premiere of one of the videos we made and we charged people a dollar to come <laughs> to my friend's basement to watch it. It is looking back it is there's no way it'll ever be released. We would be canceled immediately. Oh, of we course. were we were in like eighth grade. There's a lot of inappropriate things. This is based upon uh, Batman Robin from the point of view of Robin, <laughs> always being the second fiddle. Um, which idea is great, but eighth graders are not good at creating. But I find it so interesting that like we start. It seems like we started in a similar place. But you took it to the next level and you kind of made it your your passion. You followed through. What do you think it was about the creating videos that really kept you interested? I think for me, it was more of just I had all of these ideas for things I wanted to do. And when I was younger, I I don't know what the hell most of them were. Like when I was a teenager, it's like, let's set up a camera and you and I will wrestle on the trampoline. This will be our new wrestling federation. And obviously you do that once and then you never do it again. And we didn't know how to wrestle anyway, so we would have killed ourselves eventually. But I think I just, I wanted to keep doing it because I like to make stuff. I like to create things. And if I'm not, and this sounds like so pretentious, but like if I'm not doing it, I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like I have to be doing it just to feel good about, whatever I'm up to. And I've like the videos, that's obviously what I've found I'm the best at, but like I used to paint all the time back in the day. I was never any good at it, but I love doing it. Uh, my, I could never draw my brother could. So for me, it was like, I stuck to the videos. People seem to enjoy them. The circle of people who watch them has gotten bigger and bigger over time, but yeah, it was just something I wanted to do. I found out I was pretty good at it. It was like, Let's just, I have more and more ideas as time goes on. Let's just keep making them. So <laughs> you touched on a really important thing that I think a lot of people don't think about when they think about something they're passionate about. Sometimes they, they're like, oh, I really like doing this, but I'm not good at it. And you mentioned how painting, you weren't great at it, but you love doing it. And I think mm-hmm. more people need to realize like, it's okay if you're not great at it, if you're enjoying doing it, like it's, it's fulfilling within you then keep doing it because uh, one day you might get great. And like uh, when you first started making video content, I'm sure you look back at your first things and you're like, Oh man, there's these things I could, could have done better. But as you keep doing it, you always are, are growing. And I think that's, that's almost the, the bigger thing. It's just to keep growing. Would you agree? Yeah, it's super important. And enjoying what you're doing is, is more important than anything because if you're not enjoying it, then it's just work. And nobody wants to, I I say nobody, but there's a very small amount of people that actually wake up in the morning and are excited to go to work. So if you can find something that you actually enjoy doing, it's so important to just stick with that. And 
you're st- you're still gonna have to fucking go to work and pay bills and everything, but sticking with that thing that actually gives you enjoyment, we're not here for a long time. So when you find that thing, just just nurture it and grow it. And if you want to keep it to yourself and not share it, that's fine too. But you got to have that thing that you love doing. Absolutely. I think, especially with like, we're kind of on the tail end of this pandemic. I think a lot of people at the beginning are like, okay, I'm going to use this time to master something. And now at the end, they're looking at like, well, I didn't master anything. <laughs> but that's okay because I'm sure you did something. And at the very least, you survived this pandemic and now you have the opportunity to do even more things that maybe you wouldn't even thought of before. Yeah, of course. I do want to jump back to the creation of 616 entertainment. So this was created in 2007. So this is two years after YouTube was created. So YouTube was in its infancy. Um, At that point, I think there was still time limits on videos and like bandwidth, all this stuff. What was it? What what went through your mind when you're like, oh, I'm going to start uploading on this YouTube? And how did kind of 616 Entertainment come to be? It came to be by just, like I was saying earlier, YouTube popped up and it, it was just super easy to take something you had made and put it there. And before, like growing up with a VHS camera, we would go out and shoot a stupid three minute movie. And then the only people who would watch it would be me and my friends who made it. So with YouTube being out there, it's like, okay, it gave, it gave my friends and I motivation to get back to making shit. And then also to, to put it up there so that not only we could watch it back, but maybe we could get some of our other friends to watch it and then maybe they would want to get involved. But starting it at first, there was zero plan. It wasn't like, oh, this is going to be our show and we're going to make this movie and this movie. I, I think I just like whipped the channel together. And the first video we ever uploaded doesn't exist anymore, which is a fun little piece of trivia. Uh, It's a good thing it doesn't exist because it was a pile of shit, but it was called (laughs) 332 Java. It doesn't make any sense. It was, I wasn't even in it with my buddy Bathroom Money, Tim Ewers. Uh, It was called 332 Java because we shot it at 332 in the morning. And the, the, the whole point of the video was, He was walking around the house looking for Java. I say in air quotes, it was just like a bottle of Gatorade, but it was just (laughs) this stupid ass guy, like opening doors going, there's no Java in here. And then cut to another room. And then he finds it and chugs it. That's the whole thing. What the fuck that is. I have no idea. (laughs) I mean, that does sound like 2007 YouTube though. And that's a great point. Uh, My girlfriend says all the time that she misses what YouTube used to be like before influencers and like video game critics and like the makeup community before any of that. It was just stupid, dumbass clips that didn't mean anything. And you would just click one after the other and rot your brain. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. We're talking about YouTube right now because I just read an article how the Charlie bit my finger video is being sold as an NFT and be taking off YouTube. One of the, one, I, one of the biggest YouTube videos is going to be gone. What's funny about that is that is one of the biggest YouTube videos. I think everybody remembers Charlie bit me and those silly little kids, but I still am struggling with the concept of what the fucking NFT is. 
Yeah, I don't I don't truly understand. I mean, I think the whole idea is like, oh, it's, this is a piece of digital content that only one person can see now, which I think is the the opposite of how <laughs> content well, yeah, should be. But how does that work? Because I'm sure there's a billion copies out there of Charlie Bit Me. I could probably get 10 of them right now. Someone's about to pay $2 million for it. And then they're like, oh, I have it. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's more so like owning, oh, I have the original. I have the official Charlie Bit Me thing. It's like when people buy memorabilia, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is the one. This is the bathtub the Andre the Giant shit in. Like, this is it. Like, there might yeah. be other similar bathtubs, but this is the specific one. So, but again, I I don't think it makes a ton of sense. No, that's what's so strange to me about it being digital. Is like, someone could say, "Oh, I have the Mona Lisa. I'm holding it in my hand," and someone could say, "Like, well, well I saved a JPEG of it," and that's different because you're holding the one that was painted, and I have mm-hmm. like a shitty, blurry image of it. But a digital thing. You don't have anything in your hands. So I don't, it's so weird. I don't yeah. understand it. I hope it all goes away because yeah. I don't want to have to understand it in the future. <laughs> I, I think the only benefit of it is another way for artists to make money, but mm-hmm. that's really the only positive thing I can think about this. I think it also is, it's more restrictive of like more rich people are going to have cool content that no one else can have. But in that sense, I want to put out there that the history of SmackDown, the history of Mortal Kombat, the history of Resident Evil, the history of WCW video games are all for sale. And if anybody <laughs> wants to buy them, <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> well, I mean, there'll be a time at the end of this podcast for you to, to plug the, the new auctions <laughs> yeah. you're about to have. Um, but I, I do want to jump. So like YouTube, you're there at the infancy. Where do you, as you, you're doing these videos, uh, at what point do you think like, well, I'm, this is like a platform I'm going to keep using. Did you, did you feel like pretty early on, like YouTube was going to be something you'd still be doing 15 years after? I would like to think that that was going to happen. Like back in the day, it was, it, we, we always did like either like short films or like, oh, here's just a silly idea and let's film it. It wasn't until years later that, um, it's, it's kind of funny now, but back in the day, it was the channel was Game Over Greggy and Greg Miller and Colin Moriarty did a little like talk show called A Conversation with Colin. They started doing that and we totally stole it. And I did a show with my buddy called A Conversation with Corey, which was super silly. And I even sent it to Greg and Colin and they responded to it, and like retweeted it. That kind of changed it all to be like, oh, I'm I'm definitely going to keep doing this. And now here's our first weekly show. And then we're going to add another show. They were all like talk shows and conversational shows at the time. But yeah, in those early years, it was just anytime we thought we had a funny idea, let's do it. But there was no set plan, not until years later. So as you're, you're creating these videos and you're creating new series to upload to YouTube, did you have trouble like finding the time to get all this done? Or was this such a priority in your life that other things went to the to the back burner to make sure that you had all this content being created. Uh, it was, it was definitely a priority for me because I, I loved it so much. And we talked earlier about like doing stuff 
just because you enjoy it it doesn't it doesn't have to be like huge and all these people have to watch it we would do a conversation with Corey, or like the next conversational show we did was important questions which was basically the same idea but with other people <laughs> we would do that and like shoot a little 10 minute episode and put it up and nine people would watch it and i didn't care that only nine people watched it i was like okay here's the next five episodes on thursday let's shoot them all we have five weeks of content and then on friday we'll shoot a bunch with Corey. for it was like it, it wasn't a job because it didn't pay anything but it was my whole it was my fucking job <laughs> it's like it's all i wanted to do I, that's, I mean, that speaks so much that you specifically say not like nine people watch it. Like mm-hmm. most people, I think, even if they love something, if they spend hours on it and they see only nine people watch it, it could be a little discouraging. But you bring a good point. You truly just love the process. You didn't love didn't, didn't really matter the, the finished product It was more so like I just love doing this. And mm-hmm. if I'm going to do it, I might as well put it out there. Yeah, for sure. And to that point of like, yeah, only nine people are watching. That was Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller were like huge inspirations for me, along with James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd. But there was a great piece of advice that Greg said years and years ago that was like, I think someone wrote in was like, how do I grow my channel? What do I do if nobody's watching? And his piece of advice that now I tell people if they ever ask me is like, it doesn't matter if nobody's watching. If you're enjoying doing it, just keep doing it because one day it might pop. And if you stuck with it, you've got this whole body of work that now these new people can go back and see like, oh, he's been doing this for so long. And I, first time I heard him say that, I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And it didn't, uh, it doesn't pan out perfectly because I was doing YouTube for like 10 years before I had a thing pop. And barely anyone has gone back and watched that first 10 years worth of shit. <laughs> but it's okay. I, st- I had all the practice, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think with, like, YouTube, especially with, like, the new algorithm or anything like that, if you have anything that pops, if you have anything that a lot of people start to watch, like, you have to be proud of that. You have to be – it's harder and harder to find specific content on YouTube but if someone finds you, a lot of times I think the whole popping process is people sharing it. Oh, yeah. What was it it's like? People sharing it and it's a lot of luck because like it was it was 10 years worth of stuff that nine between nine and 20 people would watch weekly, which were like mostly my friends and like maybe a couple people from a message board where I posted it. But yeah, it wasn't until I had done uh, the history of Smackdown, which the part one did like 700 views. And for me, I was like, holy shit, 700 views. Cause I'm used to 20. So that was like huge to me. And then I did a whole history of mortal Kombat series and three days after I finished it. So three days after part five came out. So like all 10 games and the spinoffs are covered three days later, Ed Boon goes on the game awards and announces mortal Kombat 11. So everybody rushed over to YouTube to type in Mortal Kombat and the algorithm chose me. There was so much luck involved in it. Like you can, you can go to like any of those websites that show like channel growth, like social blade or something. You'll see that date when Mortal Kombat 11 got announced. It's like, like straight up (laughs) Like before that, just fucking flatline. (laughs) 
I mean, but it, it, it has to say about your content that it, people got to there, but then they stuck around. Yeah. What was it like? You mentioned that that first video that got 700 views. Like, what what went through your mind? Like, at, was there like excitement? Was there was there fear? Like, oh, oh no, now there's more people watching this. I gotta be more careful. Like, what was it like when you've had that first one kind of pop off? It it wasn't a. I have to be more careful for me. It was. The history of SmackDown is it's a five part series I did covering the first five WWF or WWE SmackDown games. And the whole inspiration behind it was uh, James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, had done like a retrospective on Castlevania. And I think that that is like, that's my favorite piece of content he's ever done. It was like a four part series and it, it covered all like the eight and 16 bit Castlevania games. I watched it a hundred times at least. And every time I watched it, I was like, I could do this. I could do a series like this on a franchise that means as much to me as Castlevania means to James. And then I just did it. I did one on the SmackDown games because I figure I grew up with them. I know them like the back of my hand. So that was the first one I did. And when I put it out, I think I like posted it on Reddit and I posted it like on a message board or something. And when those 700 views came in, I wasn't worried about like, oh, I have to be careful. I was so excited because I already had part two and three done. And I was like, shit, I want to put them out now because there's people here now, but I have this whole plan of putting out one a month and stretching it out, which I stuck to. I didn't jump the gun, but yeah, people stuck around for part two, three, four, and five. And then I was just like, okay, now I got to do another one. <laughs> so what's that like where you, you finish the SmackDown and you're like, well, what am I going to do next? Like, was there like, did you already have that kind of planned out during the process? It's, when I did the SmackDown one, my first like thoughts for history of series that I wanted to do were the SmackDown games, uh, Mortal Kombat, Resident Evil, the WCW games. Those were like the first four that I thought of. And those are the, the first four that I've done. So as soon as I finished SmackDown, it was just choosing from that next pile. And I didn't want to do more wrestling, which maybe I should have because I, I caught like the SmackDown audience. If I had jumped straight to WCW, maybe... But that one did fine, so I'm not worried about that. I wanted to switch gears and do something else. And had I not done Mortal Kombat in 2018 when I did it, the algorithm pop never would have happened. So it's a good goddamn thing I chose Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I mean, and, and and that's the fun thing about life is you never know what's when it. It's just like Forrest Gump. Life's like a box of chocolate. You never know what you're gonna get. Uh, <laughs> And I think a lot of times life kind of, again, now Jurassic Park, life finds I was, a way. I was uh, going to say. Yeah. Um, but I, I, it's so interesting that like you have this first kind of pop off and, and, and you're, you're just excited. You're like, Ooh, I can, I can transfer this into this. You know, there's like a plan. Like I don't want to just be a wrestling YouTube channel. I want to show everything I am passionate about i want to share with like all of who ian is with the well, the world at any point did you feel like i am lost i don't know what's gonna be next like did you ever reach the, uh, a point where you're like i've run out of ideas or have you is are you still generating new ideas every day 
I, I still have new ideas all the time. And I, I never have up to this point hit the, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I think the only time that I started to feel like that was before I had done any of the history ups when it was just me and my buddies doing the conversational shows, because I could tell as time went on, uh, my buddy, the artist, who's my co-host for the podcast, we've done almost 400 episodes of that show over like seven and a half years. And it's still going, uh, he still enjoys the podcast and he's still every Monday night we record and then they go out Wednesday. But I could tell he was like, he was over doing the videos and I understand why it's because we started them when we were younger and they were all horrendous, stupid comedy videos. And he would feel a lot of the time, like he always got put in the embarrassing spot and he did. He's totally right because he's very fucking funny. So he would be the guy doing that. But yeah, as time went on and I could tell he didn't want to do them as much anymore. What am I going to fucking ask him? Hey, I know you don't want to do it, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> like He probably would have. He's such a good guy. He probably still would do them. But yeah, before I transitioned over into like scripted retrospectives, that was the only time that I was like, what am I doing here? Like, this is 10 years of zero traction. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> But yeah, when I switched over to the styles and actually caught some people's attention and now it's growing and growing, I now I have so many things I want to do. There's not even enough time to do them. I think you just touched on a really interesting idea and I think it's important when you're working with friends is to be able to recognize when the friendship's more important than the content and very much like, you didn't fight it when he said, oh, I'm out. And you're like, well, this is all we've ever done. You're like, okay, I understand that. I respect you as a friend. I understand why you're doing this. Um, I'll just move into a new direction. Um, I think it's a, a very healthy idea. And I, I think that might be why you are so successful in that video is you you never put – you. you you've created a hierarchy of importance and friendship seems to be higher than even YouTube success. Yeah, I think so. And to his credit, he never put a line in the sand of I'm not doing these anymore. He probably said a hundred times I quit, but it was always just cause like the idea was terrible or whatever, but never once was he like, I'm done. It would, it would become kind of a joke where I would say, Hey, I have an idea for a video. And instead of what is it? He would just go, I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like switching over into like the, the scripted retrospectives and stuff. It's, I enjoy it so much better because anytime you, and I'm sure you know this because you have to line up guests for this show and stuff. Anytime you have to depend on somebody else, it makes it so much more of a fucking hassle. And it's not always like, they they fell through or they're not reliable it, it can just be like oh i got called into work or oh i have a family thing but still it's like god damn it i i got a schedule here guys i'm trying to get this done <laughs> yeah i mean i could definitely relate to, i mean like i mentioned in the intro this is there's been a, a hiatus mm -hmm. on this podcast just for a lot of personal reasons um and i when it first happened i was like oh no i missed a week and then I missed two weeks and I was like, oh, no, everyone, everyone's gone. No one's going to listen. <laughs> uh, but then I realized, like, well, there's a, there's a, a healthy level of I want to keep putting out content. But also I have to recognize 
if I'm not in a good place to put out the content, the content's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think kind of like when you transitioned into the retrospectives, there's, there's a growth process in what you're creating looks like. And I think that's normal. Hope, hopefully people stick around and want to keep listening to these interviews like, like we're having today. Um, cause I think there's a lot of, a lot can be gained from this. And if not nothing else, I think it's fun just to listen to two people talk about something that they're passionate about. I agree with that 100%. I, I listen every week to Matt Cardona and Brian Myers. They have the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. I listen every week. I haven't bought a wrestling action figure for myself since I was a teenager, and I'm 30 now. But they love it so much that I'm like, it. their giddiness like motivates me. I, I, don't, I don't know why, but they get so excited about this shit that they love that I'm like, I got to do something that I love now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the whole basis of this podcast is uh, passions are contagious. Yes. Um, and hopefully I'm sure there's people out there listening to this. that are like, I've never I've always thought about creating a YouTube video. I'm going to go try it now. Yeah. Um, but I do want to. So most of your videos are surround around video games. Have you always been a gamer since since you were a child? Yeah, I um, I can remember <laughs> my first like experience. I almost said I can remember my first memory, which is fucking horrible. <laughs> I remember my first experience with video games was uh, my brother and I and our, our parents lived in an apartment in Alsip, Illinois, and downstairs was another family, and they had two kids who were our same age. Their names were Jason and Justin. And I remember the day we met them, I think our parents must have known each other or something. And they were like, oh, let's go downstairs and meet the neighbors. And we went in Jason and Justin's room and they had an NES and they were playing the Sunsoft Batman game. And that's my first experience with the video game is that Sunsoft Batman game, which still holds up. Excellent game. Hard as fuck, but great game. And they had Duck Hunt and they had Super Mario Brothers. And from that day on, I was like, I I want a Nintendo. Because back then you didn't call it an NES. You just called it a Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And a year or so later, it was already at that point. It had to be 93. So the the NES was old. The Super Nintendo was out by that time. But we, my brother and I got an NES. And uh, it just went from there to Genesis PS1. And I've been a PlayStation guy since. So obviously there's this passion for video games and you love it so much that you want to share information about it, share your passion with other people through YouTube and your, and your podcast as well. Has your relationship with video games changed now that it's kind of part of this other thing of creating content? Maybe in a small way, there was um there was a window where I felt like I had to play the new releases or like the big games so that we could talk about them. Like, destiny one was coming out and i was like oh i'll I'll play destiny so that we can talk about destiny i don't know why i did because i'm not really into first person shooters especially competitive multiplayer first person shooters so there was a short window where i felt like i had to play certain things but i got over that pretty quickly and luckily like doing the retrospectives and like the shows that i do 
I realize that I'm in charge and I can do whatever I want. So I only do like, I choose what I'm going to do the retrospective on. And I, I realize I might get more views if I did like the history of call of duty or the history of grand theft auto, like people ask me to do, but I'm like, I don't have the knowledge or the passion for those. Like the only grand theft auto game I've ever beaten is five. What you want me to go on Wikipedia and write down a bunch of notes and just regurgitate it to you? I'm not going to do that. I would rather talk about Resident Evil or Halloween because I have memories attached to those. And I can tell you how I felt when I saw it the first time. So I, for me, it's just still focusing on what I want to do rather than what I think will be the biggest because fuck that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that authenticity, I think, is something that I think a lot of people are drawn to, like knowing that you're not just trying to ride the, the most recent wave that you're presenting on games that you truly are passionate about. Yeah. And all that stuff fades too. like, let's say Minecraft comes out and it's huge. And there are so many YouTubers that jumped on Minecraft and are way bigger than I'll ever be and all that stuff. But how how long are you going to play Minecraft until you're tired of it? But now you're trapped because that's what your audience wants to watch. Where for me, like I took it, I felt like I took a huge risk when I did like wrestling game series and Mortal Kombat. And then I focused really hard on wrestling. And then the next history of I did was Resident Evil, which was a huge sidestep into a new category. And I was like, I don't know if people are going to come along for this because the people that I've attracted so far they might not like Resident Evil, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it was it was a little bit of a slow build with that one. Like it has it caught on, and for whatever reason, the like four hour full movie version has been viewed way more than any of the individual parts for some reason. But yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a risk, but I feel like it's paid off, and I feel like I've pulled some survival horror people in now, and that's what I want to keep doing. I I never want to stagnate and get tired of what i'm doing because the second i get tired of it i'm gonna drop it and do something else i that i you bring up a a good point in that uh, a passion is only good as long as you're passionate about it and you mentioned earlier you you don't want to work on something you're not passionate about you don't you want to find something that doesn't seem like work Mm-hmm. but throughout the entire process of creating these videos, there is a lot of work around it. What do you think is the most difficult thing about creating videos? I'm sure that's different for everybody. I'm sure for some people, if, if they do what I do, like the scripted retrospectives, I'm sure some people struggle the most with the writing or the, the editing process, but I don't know. I, I enjoy so much of it that, like the, the hardest part is probably being in the editing process and having to go out and find like clips online to plug in to be the backdrop or like the B-roll for what I'm saying. Because that like, I've already done the writing and I'm ready to just get this finished. And now I got to go fucking scrounge around YouTube and find a commercial from 1996 of this one N64 game and it's all blurry because it was 1996 and then I got to worry about if it's like a commercial archive channel are those people going to be like hey that's my video and it's like no it's not it's a Hollywood video tv commercials you don't own it (laughs) it's that part is the only part that kind of gets me to be like ah shit now I got to do this but (laughs) 
I mean, has there ever been a situation where so, like you've taken a clip from some something and they've come after you saying like, "Hey, that's my clip." Yeah, but it was I I can't get mad at them because I do feel like it was kind of it was early on into me making retrospectives. So like in the history of Mortal Kombat one, you'll sometimes you'll see like in the lower left hand corner it'll say like arcade games freak or like uh, MK Ice and Fire I think was one I borrowed from a couple times, but. I didn't feel like I was stealing anything because it was just like fatality compilation. So it's just directly pulled from the game. It wasn't like their custom gameplay and like I airbrushed out their logo or anything. I felt like those channels were a resource for people who were studying about Mortal Kombat or they want to watch about Mortal Kombat and like highlighting their logo in the corner. I felt like I was not doing them a favor because they're way bigger than me. But I, I didn't think anything was wrong with it. But somebody else noticed and was like, hey, one of those clips is mine. And I was just like, yeah, dude, you have a great channel. And he was like, well, you didn't ask me to use that. And so for me, I was like, oh, did I have to? It's just a cutscene. Like, all you did was click record. <laughs> like, you didn't do anything to it. But I, I can see why they would be upset. So everybody that I source clips from, I went back in all the descriptions and posted their channels, which... I should have done in the first place, but I was so new to making retrospectives that I guess I didn't have the knowledge. But uh, so, yeah, that that was the only time somebody said anything. And I feel like they were right. So I can't be mad about that. Yeah. But I think it, that highlights the thing like there's always the growing process and, and throughout creating the, these YouTube videos, you're going to keep learning. And I think that's what makes each video better. The, the, the next video better than the one before is. I'm sure you learn something from each video process you do. In looking at at YouTube, at what you've done so far, you're now a, a pretty popular YouTube channel. Where do you kind of see the future with Six One Six Entertainment? Uh, my focus right now is to kind of continue doing what I've been doing, which is one history of per year. Because I, I usually do like five parts and then I'll release a full movie when it's all done. So usually around June, because we do this thing where it's like June 16th, 616. That's like our Super Bowl. We like celebrate it. Every, we, have, we have Monopoly championship belt. So like some of us get together and we play Monopoly and some whoever wins is like the winner for that year, which I've won the last two years in a row. So I'm, I'm going to give myself some, wow. some Barry Horowitz for that one. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I want to keep doing the history of the one that starts this year in a couple of weeks is the history of Halloween. And it's going to be all of the Halloween franchise. I'm really excited about doing it. I'm nervous because I've never covered movies before, really. So I'm very scared about if I use any clip longer than like three seconds, YouTube is going to be like, yank that shit down. So I have to be very creative with my editing. Which is kind of bullshit because I don't know. I, I haven't really studied fair use laws, but like it's it's a critique. It's a review. It's a retrospective. I'm I don't know. I'm I'm a little nervous about how that's going to go. But uh, part one of the history of Halloween is almost done. I'm working on it a little by little and it's it's turning out as good as I thought it would. So I'm really excited about that. But my main goal is to uh, hit 100,000 subscribers. And I'm at 
just I'm at like 79,900 at the moment. So real close to 80. And every time that number ticks up, I'm like, man, we're, we're almost at 100. Because if I can get one of those silver plaques and hang on my wall, that's going to be like my proudest achievement in life. Like to, to have been a little kid who just wanted to make movies to now get this like basically trophy that not a lot of people have. I'll feel like in a way I'll feel like, man, I, I did the thing I wanted to do. And not that that'll kill any of my motivation after I get the silver one, I'm going to want to get the gold one, but it's, it's going to be a huge achievement for me. I'm like, that's my number one goal with all this right now is to get to that plateau. I think just looking at where we're at right now, like 79,000 people enjoyed your content enough to click the subscribe. Now, every time they go to YouTube, your stuff's going to be right there when they look at where they subscribe, like your stuff's the, one of the first things they're going to see. Like how crazy is that? Like you talked about when like little kid making videos, like to think that there are now almost 80,000 people are like, I love the videos this guy's creating. I want to keep following this person. It like, it makes me feel so good. And I, I think one of the reasons that I take so much pride in it is like, Nobody is fucking Superman, you know, like you can't go around saving everybody and doing all this shit. And I'm, I'm not the kind of person that thinks like, oh, I have advice for everybody and I can solve people's problems. But I feel like if there's one thing I can do, it's provide entertainment and like personal stories that people laugh at or they connect with. One of the most recent things I said was in my uh, WrestleMania 2000 retrospective. I talked about when I was a kid, I would leave the create a wrestler menu up from SmackDown, shut your mouth. And that's because I would go to the entrance music selection and like, I'd be playing with my wrestling figures. And whenever it was going to be like Batista versus Randy Orton, I would play their music. So it would come from the video game out of my TV. And I shared that memory. And there are so many people in the comments that are like, I thought I was the only one who would do that. And I go through the comments and I respond to fucking everybody. And everybody says, like, I thought I was the only one that did that. And I always say to those people, like, dude, we are all way more similar than you think. There are so many of us who are into this shit. And if, if we had all met when we were kids, we'd all like be best friends because there are so many people out there that are like you, that you don't know until you hear them tell their story. So, and the, to the, what I said about, uh, I answer everybody, people, will be in my comments on like the history of Mortal Kombat from 2018. They'll leave a comment and like that night or the next day or whatever, I'll go and I'll respond to it. And so many people are just like, wow, you're still replying years later. And I always tell them like, I did these YouTube videos for 10 years and nobody watched. And I always wished that I had a community who would like share their memory of this or like tell a story or just say like, hey, good job. And no one was ever there. So now that there are all these people here who are commenting, I would be a jabroni to not appreciate that and to not be in there like, hey, thanks for watching. Thanks for sharing your story. What a dick I would be to want that all these years, get it and then ignore it. So yeah, I like I take hours per day just answering people's comments because it means so much to me that they're there at all. 
I mean, what, and that brings up a, a really interesting idea in that as the channel keeps growing, uh, you might get to the point where that's just not possible. There's so many comments. Uh, what do you think, like, what does that look like to you where you're so big that there's not that, does that, does that community kind of lose a little bit in you or is it just uh, the, the number of people is so much better and you're reaching a much deeper audience that that's more exciting. I think like more than anything, I think that's a great problem to have, to have so many people who like want to talk about this stuff and you can't get to everybody because number one, it just means that there's more people there. And I feel like the bigger a community is, it's not always better, but I feel like the, the type of people that I attract it's a lot of like-minded people who are all super positive. And that's partially because if someone does show up in the comments and they're a dick, I block them. And I have seen like, I've seen other channels where people are in their comments and they're like, Oh, don't say anything bad. Cause they'll block you. And it's like, yeah, they should. I don't want nasty people in my comments. Like one of the videos I did recently about whatever game, I don't know. Somebody like made fun of the game. And some other, I don't know either one of these people, but the second guy responds to the first one and he's like, watch your tongue, man. I'll put a hole in your chest. You don't know where I grew up. And like the one guy's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you better think about how you respond to your elders. So I just blocked that guy immediately. Like, first of all, dude, we're talking about video games. Grow the fuck up. And second of all, you're just, you're not welcome here. You act like that. You're not welcome here, but. Yeah, if, if it gets to the point where I can't respond to everybody, I'll still try my best to. And the people like who I may not get to, I'll, I'll get to them the next time. So is, if I think people realize, and I've kind of experienced this through like my Patreon, is I'll go on Patreon and I'll say like, hey, I want to give you guys some bonus shit. So when I have a video done early, you guys can watch it first. And... Sometimes I'll post an early video and out of like the 110 people on Patreon, I'll see that like 30 watched it. And I'm like, oh, I want, I wanted to give you guys this early. They're like, we don't care. We'll watch it on YouTube because you'll, you'll get like ad revenue that way. And I'm like, these people care so much that they don't even care if they get bonus extras. They've told me like, we're here for you. We don't need any extra bullshit. You don't need to give us any exclusive shit. The, the people that are in my community, I'm so grateful for. And I feel like if, if more people like that continue to show up, it's just more people are going to make friends through it. Like I did, uh, one of my patrons, the Deus Anaya, he emailed me the other day and I won't go into the full details, but he was just like, I'm so glad you started your discord because I like made a friend through your discord and we like text every day and we keep in touch and I'm like, this is the best shit I've ever heard. The whole idea of opening a Discord was so the community can hang out when I'm not there. Because I feel like a YouTube comment section is more often than not all about the video. In the Discord, you guys can talk about whatever the fuck you want. And if people are in there making friends with other like-minded people, that's that's all I want to do. So <laughs> makes me happy. I mean, you highlight the all the positives of the internet. I think there's so many negatives out there. I'm so glad they were able to to share the positives and all the all the great things the internet can provide. Um, 
I guess as we we're kind of wrapping up here, what advice do you have to people that might be interested in, in trying creating videos on YouTube or just like navigating YouTube at all? I just will mirror and mimic what I heard Greg Miller say years ago, which was if you want to do something it's, and it's funny that I keep putting over Greg Miller because like I haven't followed him in a long time. And he, when him and him and Colin Moriarty kind of like split up and went their separate ways, I'm a Colin Moriarty diehard. He's come on my podcast. We, we DM sometimes. He's such a cool guy. Whereas that whole situation kind of put a bad taste in my mouth with Greg Miller. But at the same time, I have to remember like the lessons that I learned from him and all the inspiration I took from him. And him saying years ago to that person who wrote in, if you have something you want to do, just do it. And when nobody watches, because they probably won't, it doesn't matter. If you liked it, make another one and then make another one and just keep doing it. And don't worry about the views. Just keep doing shit you want to do because someday it might pop. And then when those people show up, they've got a whole back catalog to go through. That's I'll steal his advice straight up because it did a, a world of uh, motivation for me. Absolutely. And it, it mirrors another common theme in this podcast is take risks. Oh, yeah. Um, because uh, the, the one thing I say, unless a risk might lead to you either dead or destitute, <laughs> take it. Because I mean, worst case scenario is you're, oh, that kind of sucks. Like, yeah. but it, the, the regret is way worse than never taking that risk. And I'm so glad that you, you took the risk and, and put all those, all that content out for 10 years and are starting to see the, the fruits of your labor, um, with all, all everyone wanting to see your content now. Um, and with that, I did it too. And I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to, I will take that second to say thank you to all my friends who did those videos with me because back then I didn't have the like idea or inspiration to do like the solo retrospective stuff. And if my friends didn't want to make videos with me, what the hell was I going to do? Just walk around like filming my fucking bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) So if they, if all my friends didn't want to do that stuff with me, there wouldn't have been all those years of videos on there. And that is huge to me. And I'm super appreciative of that. Even like some of my friends have not been on the channel in a long time and they don't want to, cause now they're married and they have kids and like, I totally understand, but like, yeah, anybody who was ever in, like, especially the artist who still does the podcast with me, what the, I, I don't, I can't imagine I would still be doing it if we didn't make all those videos together because I would have, I don't know if I would have run out of steam or just like, I guess I'll paint, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I hear you a hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm so glad you were able to, to shout those out. Cause I think sometimes we forget to thank the people that got us to where we are. Um, and I do, I do everyone watching or listening to this podcast definitely go out and check out the videos. Would you like to share where they can find 616 Entertainment? Yeah, uh, youtube.com slash 616 Entertainment is where all the videos are. Um, If you like those videos and then you want to support the channel, patreon.com slash 616 Entertainment. You can sign up for any level. The lowest level gets you all the exclusive shit. So like 
If I put out a video early, you'll get it. Uh, I, I do like monthly podcasts, which uh, some of them are like Q and A's with me or my girlfriend or uh, the artist. But lately my buddy, Captain McKay, who is a stop motion animator from New York, that's youtube.com slash Captain McKay random. He is the fucking man with his stop motion animations. And he and I did like six hours worth of review podcasts on Godzilla versus Kong, the new Mortal Kombat movie and the Snyder cut. Like, I don't know. I don't know where the idea came from, but it's like, Hey, let's review these movies. And those have been on Patreon lately. And those are super fun, but yeah, YouTube, Patreon, that's where, uh, nobody has to sign up for Patreon. It's all optional, but <laughs> you know how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely support, if you support a creator's content, Support them in any way you can. Um, even yeah. if it's just uh, like and subscribe, those are free on YouTube. Um, but if you if you go check out Six One Six Entertainment and love it, definitely sign up for Patreon. There's no better way to kind of support a creator, continue to do all the work, and it is a ton of work. Um, I do challenge everyone listening to go watch at least one video. And if you like it, leave a comment saying, love, what do you like podcasts and love this video more? I challenge those people as well. You, if, if you listen to this podcast, you got to drop the podcast name in the comments so I know where you came from. Yes, this is this is my version of a, a promo code on 616 Entertainment. Because I want, I feel like there's a lot of over overlap in that. If you love listening to this podcast and listening to people share their passion, like, this is the the definition of someone sharing their passion with everyone. Oh yeah. Um, and you gave me the platform to do it. And I'll, I will say now you're a damn good host because I didn't know what the hell we were going to do here. And you were like, do you have any questions? And I DM'd you back. No, you're the host. I'm ready to just free ball. <laughs> and like you have, you've set me up to say everything I said. So without that, I would have been like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I appreciate that. I, I, I This is, I'll, I'll let the listener know, this is our first conversation. We yeah. have a mutual friend. We've never spoken before. I've watched some of his YouTube videos, um, but I'm glad we had this conversation. Um, everyone out there listening, if you've enjoyed this conversation, we do this podcast. Uh, it's supposed to be every Tuesday. We're going to get back on that. Um, feel free to... Uh, Give it a subscribe on your favorite YouTube or podcast platform um, if you enjoyed it. Always a uh, uh, positive review is always great. And five stars on uh, on um, Apple Podcasts is always appreciated. Um, you can find us on social media at whatdoyoulikepodcast.com, at whatdoyoulikepodcast on Instagram, or at WDYLpodcast on Twitter. Um Ian, again, I'm so happy we had this conversation. It's been an absolute joy talking to you, and I hope, I hope this gets you over the the, the massive listenership of what do you like podcast gets you over that hundred thousand subscribers because you've definitely earned it. Um, I wish you nothing but luck in your future endeavors. I appreciate it. I'm gonna post this on all my stuff whenever it goes out. I don't know when it's gonna go out. I'll post it on. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that good shit. And if you don't subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever the hell, whatever the hell else it is now, you got to lose my number. 
That's how it goes. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the massive jump in listenership to those podcasts. Um, thank you again, Ian, and everyone listening. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Yes, sir.